You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike, Pensacon, New Jersey. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. Um, I'm going to start with having somebody read passage. Any volunteers to read? Not as exciting as uh, holding that way right now. <laughs> as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we're working with these ideas of things that Jesus didn't say. And in fact, you know, as I've started thinking about the scriptures that I've read over the years, this one came to mind. I thought, well, the case closed. We can't do it. None have uh, been able to achieve that level of goodness. That's why we need Jesus. Uh, we keep trying to be good enough, and uh, we keep falling short. Um, so then do we just throw this idea out of goodness because we can't do it? Uh, I think it's always more nuanced than that. Scripture is meant to be chewed on and dissected and, and lived through. Uh, and so we don't just take these phrases that Jesus didn't say and say, well, then we're done. We need to kind of move through them and sit with them. And so, yeah, we'll start off with that premise. No, you don't have to be a good person. But what do you have to do? We like this idea. For some reason, we keep telling people to be good. Uh, and I think there, there are plenty of passages that indicate uh, some of those ideas of goodness. And Jesus uses a lot of fruit, vegetable farming metaphors because uh, they're kind of easier, easier to understand. It's, you know, dirt and getting into it. And so, you know, Matthew uh, 7, 16 says, By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? There are countless other scriptures that reference this idea of you don't find the wrong fruit on other fruit trees. And if you don't take care of the vines, things will wither away. We, as people of faith, we kind of expect that there'll be some good fruit coming from us. But the sad part is most people are afraid of Christians these days. Think about uh, the times in your life where maybe you didn't really feel joy sharing your faith or sharing that you are uh, a person of faith because people are going to think you're one of those Christians. Uh, you know, my Facebook feed was filled with stories of Jimmy Carter because he went out to do some uh, work with Habitat for Humanity after a fall, uh, had like a black eye and still went out to go do good. Um, but that's a news story. How sad it is, is it that they have to tell a story about how surprising it is that a Bible school teacher is out there doing good things? Someone who's actually living their faith. What a surprise it is. We have to tell this story over and over again. I would love for it to be not news. Oh yeah, another Christian's doing a good thing because we expect it because their fruit is coming from that goodness and pouring out of them on an everyday basis. It's not newsworthy because it's happening all the time. But we have many other groups that we think, oh my goodness, what good people, what safe people. I want to be in that group. I want to change the world in a way that people aren't surprised by us. Uh, Vlad and I go to these nerd conventions every year and uh, they're all about video gaming and board gaming and anime and all this other stuff. And when we see people in those nerdy shirts, we're like, these people are cool. They're going to be safe. They're not going to make fun of us. They're going to be fun to talk to. 
And immediately, like even when there's a convention in Philly, we're automatically, we just gravitate to them and we know that we're safe. I haven't felt the same way about people when I see them wearing a cross. And I'm ordained. And I'm, I'm still like a little hesitant to go be around my own people. We need to start transforming the goodness in us so that it's not the exception, it's the rule. That goodness pours from us because we are bearing good fruit because of the goodness that is growing up inside us. In our zealousness to show others goodness, sometimes we become more judgmental and moralistic and less just pouring out the goodness that is just growing within us. But we hold on to these things, and scripture uh, counts it many times, that when we try to be good just for goodness sake, there are pitfalls because we're not relying on God. And so I thought of this passage from Ephesians. Uh, do I have a volunteer to read it? We want to boast, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So that no one can boast. When we try to do it by ourselves, when we try to be good enough to earn God's love, to earn the love of our community, we think that we've done it ourselves. We don't rest in God, and we feel that we can be very prideful, and uh, you know, we did it all on our own. Uh, there, I've talked to many uh, people who look back on their lives and think, I did this all by myself. No one helped me. And when I think about that, I think, how sad that there weren't those who helped you along the way or that you can't acknowledge that there are those who are guiding you through step by step. I think another area that I know I've struggled with is a desire for control. Uh, I have always been a very good rule follower. It is, since people told me there were rules, I thought I could follow them and I could probably one-up them and make up my own rules that were even better. And uh, I do it because I want control. I don't want to leave it up to chance. And even though I do have faith that God can take care of it, I think I could probably just save God the time and take care of this myself. Uh, as we were uh, getting ready to welcome Zoe into the world, I was panicked. Uh, I am the chaplain at a hospital, and all I could think was three months without me there. How will they survive? Uh, and I took pretty much nine months putting everything in order for them, ordering every supply, making sure they had enough daily breads, uh, making sure everything was in order and detailed. There are copies of the directions in multiple places and in the shared drive if they need it. And uh, I just wanted control. And the more I held on to control, the more out of control things seemed to go. And I wonder if God was trying to speak to me and say, let go, child, because you cannot control it all. Uh, because in the midst of it, uh, Vlad fell into very deep depression and stopped working. Uh, I stopped working in April, and I thought, oh, no. How can I do this? All of the things that I put into place are now falling apart. I am trying my best to hold it all together and God keeps asking me to let it go. To say, rest into my arms, child, because you don't have to be good enough. You don't have to control all of these things. I've got you. But I wanted to know when things would be and I wanted to have a timeline and I wanted everything to go according to plan. 
sometimes it feels like just being faithful is not enough. I can't hold on to that. I need control. I think our last fear is that we're suspicious. Clearly, this can't be it. Clearly, there is some sort of trick. You're telling me that Jesus came here, walked on the earth, was human, loves us, and sees all the terrible things we do, and still welcomes us into his arms. It can't be, can't be true. I have to do something, right? I've had to do something my whole life. I had to prepare for college and then prepare for a job, and I had to prepare for my child. And all of these things were based on me and my ability to do it. And now you're telling me the biggest thing in the world, I have to just let go and trust that God has me. We don't believe that it's possible. The scriptures tell a story of a rich young ruler who comes up to Jesus and says, you know, I followed all the commandments. What else do I have to do to, to be with you, to be perfect? And Jesus says, sell everything you have and follow me. And we use this passage often to talk about wealth and our desire for money. But the rich young ruler walks away because he didn't want to get rid of his stuff. It was too hard. And I think, you know, the money allegory is important here, but I think there's another message that Jesus is trying to tell us, and that's stop trying to do all this stuff and just be with me. Let go of all those other things that you've accumulated. Your safety is not in money or numbers or wealth or uh, titles. Your safety is in me. You don't have to do anything else. Just follow me. They tell us a story of Mary and Martha, two women Uh, who are with Jesus, one who is working fervently to make the perfect home, to create the perfect meal for Jesus to be present, and the other sits at his feet. And who does he acknowledge but the one who is just present with him? You don't have to do anything. Just be with me. It seems too simple. I have to do something in order to earn this great love of God. Over the weekend, I went uh, for one last trip to New York uh, before my maternity leave is over tomorrow. And uh, we went to the street fair, and I ran into my first boyfriend. (laughs) Shocking. Uh, And so this gentleman that I dated when I was 16, so 15 years ago, uh, it reminded me so much of who I was at 16. Uh, And I was a rule follower. And... I, you know, wanted to make sure that all of my relationship with him followed every rule. But there were God's rules, and there were my parents' rules, and then there were the rules that they set at church. And then I'm sure Scotty had some opinions, but I never asked him what he thought. Um, And I had all of these rules, and I remember the intense anxiety around that relationship because I didn't want to ruin anything because God had rules for what a relationship, a godly relationship would look like. Um... And I think that in the midst of it, I missed all the goodness that could have been because I never actually related to the guy. I kept in an arm's distance and made sure that God would look at me and feel that I was good. Because there are so many things that we can do that others will say is good. These are my three ideas of what I think holds me to being good I'm sure you can come up with a million more. What holds you to that need 
to be good and whatever good looks like for you. But then what is what is what are we supposed to do with this? Do we just throw out goodness and go crazy uh, and start doing terrible things? I don't think it's one or the other because the rest of this is to be present in God. The Bible starts off with a creation story, a loving and beautiful creation story. Uh, As part of my seminary studies, we had to read like a bunch of different creation stories. And what stood out was the love that comes out in Genesis. What stands out is that there was a God who walked in the cool of the day with the people that he created. That a God created us and looked at us and said, you are good. Close your eyes and just listen to how this is described. So God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. He made you and he saw that you were good. He was impressed with this creation. You are made in God's image. When we are given other people's rules, uh, we can feel a little harried, a little, little overdrawn because there are so many other people's opinions. When I had Zoe, I remember the first night she was home, I had a swaddling blanket and one of those Velcro ones and a halo sleep sack and her pajamas. And I thought, I don't know what to do. She's going to suffocate. Whatever I do is wrong because every, everything I read is that you do this and your baby's going to die. And I was just terrified. Um, so I swear, I put her in each one of them before she went to bed that night. Put it on, thought, oh, it covers her mouth a little bit. Undo, undo it. Put this on her. She's, her in comes right out. She doesn't like being swaddled. And over and over again, I was reading the comments, looking up YouTube videos. Maybe I'm not swaddling correctly. How can I be a good mom? I can't do it because everyone's telling me how to be good and I can't figure it out because everyone else is wrong and everyone else is right and I'm just not good enough. And then finally what I did was get to know my kid because honestly being a good mom is just being a good mom to Zoe and she likes a particular kind of sleep sack. When you put it in her, put her on it, she smiles. And that's all I need to know. Throw out all the YouTube, throw out all the comments. I need to be in relationship with this kid and figure out what works for her. And for us to be good, we need to go to that source. You have been created good by a God who is good. May that be your source and let the goodness flow from that. Not from somebody else telling you how to be a good person, how to use your money, how to serve your brother and sister. But instead, when we go to the source, just like that image of vine and branches of fruit coming from good trees, when you treat that plant well, good fruit comes from it. When you attach yourself to a good source, goodness flows from it. So no, you don't have to be a good person. You don't have to follow a particular set of rules from somebody else who's telling you what you have to do. But you do have to attach yourself to the source. You have to connect yourself to a God who loves you and find that when that goodness is poured into you, it yields goodness as well. 
You don't have to be good. But rest in the goodness of God and see what it yields. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.